Welcome to the latest episode of Glover's Talk, Somerset Live's weekly podcast discussing all things Yeovil Town Football Club. I'm your host, Liam Trim, and as usual, I'm joined by our sports editor and reporter, Stephen Dalbiak. Hi, Liam. And also Mike Taylor, who covers uh, some other towns in Somerset. He's not a sports reporter, but he's here. Yes. And he's he's enthusiastic about Yeovil Town. As always, don't forget to check somersetlive.co.uk forward slash sport for all the latest Yeovil Town content which Stephen is producing throughout the week. And also subscribe to this podcast if you want to hear it regularly. If you want to torture yourself with that, go to iTunes and Audio Boom and search for Glover's Talk. Right, we're going to be discussing a nil-nil draw which the Glover's managed to grind out away at Mansfield at the weekend. We're recording this on December the 19th. So as we approach the Christmas weekend, Yeovil will be hosting Exeter City and a bit of a West Country derby. We'll discuss that, preview that match. We'll talk about some takeover rumours which are concerning a lot of fans, but also, I guess, in exciting some fans, and we'll talk about that later. And also, we'll be talking about uh, how Yeovil have to turn their season around as they sort of hover above the relegation zone. Right, so we'll start with that recap of the Mansfield game. Stephen, what did you make of the performance? Good to get a clean sheet away from home, I guess. Very good, very encouraging. I think if you look at the away performances Yeovil had this season, this is probably, if not the best, one of the best. They kept a clean sheet for the first time in, uh, I think it's 10 months away from home and it's really encouraging because what we've seen too often from Yeovil on the road this season is they've gone into games maybe made an encouraging start but then they've either made a mistake or they've been undone by by the opposition and then they've not been able to find a way to get back into the game so to keep things tight at the back they may not have been you know, as attacking in the second half as some fans would have liked. But if you'd said before the game, go to Mansfield, what would you like? You'd, uh, I think a lot of fans would have bitten your hand off to get a, to get a point out of it. They're a very, very good team, Mansfield. One of the favourites for promotion. So, as far as I'm concerned, very much a point gained for them. Yeah, so just to recap the positions in the table after that match at the weekend, Mansfield now sitting in 10th, three places outside of the playoffs, but only two points. It is tight up there. And then Yeovil down in 21st, they're just two places above Chesterfield, who are in the first of those relegation slots, and that's only one point above Chesterfield. But that just goes to show that it was a crucial point gained at the weekend, and Mike, they had to withstand a lot of pressure at Mansfield. Do you think the club can take a bit of confidence in the fans, take a bit of confidence from that going into what is a, you know, it's a winnable game, it's a derby game against Exeter this weekend? Yeah, of course, I think they can really. Um, I mean, to get a nil-nil draw away from home, um, considering how... You know, I think the weapon has been very touch and go all season. But to get a uh, clean sheet and a respectable point against a you know team that's retargeting promotions, very respectable really. Um, so I think that would give them some encouragement. Obviously, they've um, done well in the cup as well, and further on the pot. So there's some uh, you know crumbs of comfort really that uh, your town can um, have at the moment that maybe could uh, boost them ahead of uh, the X again possibly. Absolutely, and Stephen, uh, although there was a, you know, like, like you say, particularly in the second half against Mansfield, I understand Yeovil were just sort of, you know, they were they, they were under pressure and they were grinding out a result by the end. Uh, I know that Darren Way, after the game, was talking about the fact that they, they could have nicked a couple of goals as well. Yeah, and I think if you look at the first half, if you look back over highlights, they could have been two or three goals up at half-time. Sam Surridge had two very good chances, hit the, um, hit the bar slash post from a, from a header. Uh, Matt Worthington drew a very good save out of a Mansfield keeper, so... There were opportunities for Yeovil, and on, on another day, I fully believe that they could have been one or two goals up at half-time, which would have been a fantastic effort when you consider the way they have performed and away from home. It's worth remembering it's still only five points that they have away from home, so from them, away from really has been their Achilles heel, and it really was important, particularly going into the halfway point of the season, particularly 
given the fact that they were outside of relegation zone only on goal difference going into the game, that they really did rally and, produ- and produced a performance that could really help them and steady the ship, if you, if you like, after a bad run. And it may not have been a win, but they had chances in the first half. It could have been a different story on another day. And um, I think you can have very, very few complaints if you look at that game in isolation mm-hmm. as to how it went, because it's a difficult place to go and they performed very well. And before we move on to discuss Exeter and Yeovil's position in the table and how it is getting a bit perilous above the drop zone, uh, I understand there was a bit of passion on the touchline at the weekend at Mansfield with Darren and, and some others there. Yeah, there was a little bit of an incident. I think it was. Um, I think there were a couple. I think there, there was a uh, there was a bust up between um, Sam Surridge and Christian Pierce, the sort of a Mansfield um, defender, and um, I think both players got booked. Um, there was a very much you know a bit of a hoo ha about that. Some su- su- suggestions that. Mansfield's players were were ganging up and Surrey's trying to provoke a reaction out of him. So you know it was it was quite a uh, quite a bit of a needle in the game, which I think you'd expect from a Steve Evans team. And then there was this other incident where the ball went out of play, and um, it all everything points to the fact that Darren tried to control the ball, but it bounced off him, and he was then accused of uh, some sort uh, some form of gamesmanship. But I think after Darren, I think Darren said after the game, I think he said that you know his touch should. Uh, deserted him years ago, so uh, <laughs> I fair, think fair um, I don't think there was a, I don't think there was any malice in it or any um, any you know suggestions of um, any gamesmanship or anything like that. Is one of those things that can happen, and uh, we all know what Steve Evans is like. He's got the reputation. Mm. He's a very passionate man on the touchline, and uh, sometimes you know emotions can get a better of you. But I don't think it, I don't think there was anything too serious in it. I think it was uh, you know it was a game played at you know high intensity and. Um, I think no more than you'd expect when you're playing against a manager like that. Mm. So from your point of view, more about the opposition rather than sort of nerves fraying on the Yeovil Town bench? Yeah, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't say that Yeovil really, you know, and having seen them all season, they, they, they're not a team that resorts to any kind of dirty tactics. Mm. They've had their disciplinary issues, but if you look at that, though, that's, that's been more when other teams or when other players have been provoked into a reaction. It's, you've, you very rarely see Yeovil players go in making rash challenges, no. Really, you know, trying to to sort of bruise up the opposition. Really, you know, trying to um, to play dirty. It's very much been these sort of moments of madness in isolation. Yeah, it's like when we had um, St Nelson against uh, what was it, uh, Notts County, the game I watched uh, last month. That that came out of nowhere, really, and he got straight red for it. And it's like what you said just then. Like, you know, when of all the red cards that that you'll have um, this season, you think, oh, they're a dirty team, really. They're a gritty team, but they're not really. It's again, it's people. It's the players being provoked, and it's um, and they're just falling for it. And that's just just it's, it is a discipline issue, really. You know, I think your time players just need to keep a, a level head when he's um, when it comes to these heated moments. They just need to stay and, cool, really. And, and I think it's yeah. to, to Sam Surridge's credit that he didn't let that get the better of him oh, on course, that yeah. Saturday because he did come in for quite some uh, provocation from uh, from Mansfield players, and yeah. um, he really you know there are players who probably would have reacted in the wrong way to. To that sort of play, him, but um, put all credit to him because he didn't. He carried on, and um, and Yeovil ended up with eleven men, which they really needed to do in a game like that, where it was crucial that they held out and got the point. Well, let's hope they're learning not to react to that provocation. And just before we move, we're going to have an Exeter City themed quiz oh, yeah. in in a minute, just to uh, get us excited. For do you that mind telling tell tell our listeners how you're? Uh, how you've got such a great knowledge. Well, of you know, I lived in Exeter for three years, and for one of those years, I lived directly opposite St James's Park. So I, I've got a soft spot for Exeter, but of course, I am. Originally, I was born in Yeovil. I'm from Yeovil, so I think overall, I do want Yeovil, and Yeovil need the points more than Exeter. Exeter, so, yeah. Exeter third in the table. It's a very exciting promotion. No, no suggestion run. of you 
sit him on the fence in this weekend. No, You're this firmly weekend, in I'm the firmly in the Oval Cup. Yeovil need the points. That I can't, so you're not, I can't so you're face Yeovil dropping out of the league. Half-half scarf. I don't think, I don't, I'm not aware of half-and-half half scarves existing, but if anyone's out there that's <laughs> producing them, I would, I would, I would own one. If you turn up to Hewish Park and I'm just going to have a word with V over the stewards. I'm going with my dad this weekend to Hewish. My dad's a former Yeovil Town Reserves player, you know, back in the day, back in the 70s or something. So he'll be excited to get and watch you over. But yeah, well, before we be- move on to that, I just want to very briefly on a slightly more serious point, Stephen. I saw that um, the club tweeted about Darren. Um, I think it's nine years since he had a very serious car accident and he yes. met up with um, uh, the Dorset and Somerset Air Ambulance to sort of pay tribute to the emergency services who helped him that day. Yeah. I know that you'll, you might be planning to look back on this in an article, but just briefly, you know, explain to our listeners if they don't know just the significance of that event maybe in the Yeovil Town Manager's life yeah definitely um, so it was 2008 it was December 2008 um, unfortunately um, Darren who was involved in a very serious car crash on the um, the Cartgate Link Road which I'm sure if you live in and around Yeovil you'll be aware of that mm. road um, and he was involved in a, completely blamelessly in a, um, in a head-on collision and um, the resulting injuries from that very sadly ended his playing career mm. and um, anyone who saw Darren Way as a player would know that you know it was sort of very it was a huge um, tragedy, really, in a footballing sense. But he lost his career because he was a great player. You know, always gave a hundred percent. Full of energy, and, um, wasn't he? Yeah. In the and it was a real shame when that happened. And I think you have to give Darren credit for the way that he fought through that, overcame his what were terrible, terrible injuries. Mm. And um, no matter what your opinion of him is now, as a manager of how well he's been doing, the fact that he recovered from that and then became the club's manager, having risen through the coaching ranks, you know, is something really is commended. Um, from well, I wanted Gavin. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend um, the event yesterday, but it was ju- just to really, you know, to show his appreciation to the air ambulance mm. service um, for the job that they do on a daily basis. So obviously, he was airlifted to hospital after that cra- after that crash, and he says, you know, very clearly that he feels that without their help, he may not have survived that crash. So it's clearly a cause; it's very close to his heart, and um, I think it's a very worthy cause for, for anybody should get behind. And um, it's great to see the to see Darren and to see the football club, you know, so publicly praising mm. the work that they do because it is a superb job that they that they do on a daily basis and countless lives have been saved because of them. Well, absolutely. It's a very inspiring story and, and do check somersetlive.co.uk forward slash sport. Uh, Stephen, I think, is, is planning something more on that, on, on that anniversary of, of Darren's crash. And also, like, like Stephen says, you know, it, it costs them thousands of pounds just for a single flight, just for the fuel of the air ambulance and they are a charity. They rely on donations. So it's good to see the club highlighting that. Um, so moving on then to preview the game against Exeter, as I say, we'll do a little quiz just to lighten the mood after what is, you know, it's been a tough few weeks for Yeovil. The quiz is going to be about legendary Exeter City manager Paul Tisdale. So, right, Paul Tisdale, he took over at Exeter in 2006. Do you know who he managed before that? Yep, Team Bath. Stephen straight in there, that's it. Getting yeah. my tally going. We've got it's 1-0 to well, Stephen very famously there. got to the first round of the FA Cup, I think, back uh, about 10 yeah, years ago. Yeah, am so. I right in thinking this is the University of Bath yeah. team? Yeah. yeah. So it's a very impressive achievement mm. there. And so it's question two, and I should say, listeners, it's, it's Mike versus Stephen here, and it's just whoever shouts in first. And it's 1-0 to Stephen. So how many appearances did Tisdale make, and I'll, I'll accept the closest answer, for Yeovil Town while he was a player at Yeovil Town? Oh, dear. Yeah, how many seasons can he play Which, you said seasons or appearances, sorry. Appearances. Okay. I'm going to go for 150. I'm going to, set, I'm going wow, to say Mike's about gone very 50, big. I think. I'm and not sure you made that Stephen's many. He's gone for 50. I think it's poor from both of them. 
but Stephen is closest. It's, it's a mere 15 appearances. Yeah. Oh, I should have gone lower than that. It was towards the end of Tisdale's yeah. playing career and it was really his last proper club, although he has made appearances at Exeter when, because Exeter, you know, they are, they've, they're a club that have fought against the odds and at times when their squad has been thin, he's named himself as, as a sub. Uh, for, he hasn't, he may have played in the Checker Trade trophy, possibly. He might have done. Uh, he might have done. I didn't. My my research didn't extend that far, Stephen. I, I trust you on that. Can one. you call yourself a coins master? Right. <laughs> Question three, then, Stephen, with a two 0 lead, you need to you need to get this. I, I don't know. It's another one where closest answer will be accepted. What is Paul Tisdale's win percentage at Exeter City? Forty. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go straight down. You know, for the you know one in three win lose your draw. Thirty three percent. I've gone thirty three percent. I'm gonna have to do some math. 46, 33. Oh, Stephen's done it again. Because oh, the actual answer is 38.1%. So it's a 3 0 lead for Stephen, proving why he is the sports writer in the room. What, right, he's now, the king of the lower leagues. This right, next question is slightly weighted towards Mike, who is an Arsenal fan. Oh, here we go. How many times has Arsene Wenger, and he is, of course, Paul Tisdale is the second longest serving manager in the Football League? to Arsene Wenger. It's a fun stat, isn't it? We all know that one. But how many times has Arsene Wenger won the Premier League since Tisdale joined Exeter? Oh, I reckon, zero. I reckon zero as well, Mike yeah. Mike was straight in with zero and it's correct. Sadly, zero. Yeah. So it's 3-1. <laughs> Mike's clawed one back with his Arsenal knowledge. What was the score? This is the last question. So you could save a bit of, of face here, Mike, if you get this. <laughs> what was the score when Exeter faced Blackpool in the playoff final in May 2017? Oh dear, uh, I'm going to say 1-0 Blackpool. Stephen's gone 1-0 Blackpool, I can reveal that is wrong. So Mike, you could, you could steal this. Am I right saying it was a bit of a goal fest? And no, I wouldn't describe it as a goal fest. semi-final, it was a goal fest. I'll give you a clue, Exeter went 1-0 up. Well, would it have been 2-1 Blackpool? Correct! So it's three two. It's been it's, he's clawed back a bit of pride there, as Mike Taylor. Well, so it finishes three two. Stephen is yet to be beaten. Am I right in saying that? In, I think I think uh, yeah. I think I heard that could be the case. Quiz. Yeah. So Glover's talks quiz champion remains Stephen Dalbiak. But as we move on, then to do, in all seriousness, Paul Dis Tisdale. He is doing very well at Exeter this season. He's building on that playoff final appearance last season. They're sitting third in League Two at the moment. Do you, how much do you think the stability of what Tisdale is doing there is a, fa- a key factor in that, Steve? I think it. I think it means a lot, but I also think it's. Uh, I th- also think that the uh, the ownership at Exeter is very supportive of him as well, which helps. Uh, they've got very very well clubs. I think it, you know. I think you could. You everyone knows. I think the virtues of a fan owned club is that they always are going to have the best interests of the club at heart, and it's a very well run club. It's uh, you know Not we don't have there, yeah. So we're going to say yeah. they, they've got quite limited resources, but. You know, somebody like Paul Tisdale has been around for years and he knows how to exploit those resources mm. to maximum. And uh, I, I also think another really key um, key aspect of Exeter's um, success in recent years is the fact that they've got a very good youth system. They bring through a lot of their own homegrown players, which has a big impact. And um, you've got players like Ollie Watkins who may no longer be at Exeter, mm. but they sold him on in the summer. And... That's you know that's all good money for Exeter to then reinvest into the club. So I think Absolutely. it's a very good model they've got down there, a very well run club, and um, I think it would be no no surprise if they did go up this year because they've really you know they've it's it's a long term approach that they've taken, but but it works because 
if you put all the building blocks in place and you're given the time to do that, then you will eventually reap the rewards. And it looks like they're about to do that. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, they are a lovely club, and every every mm. summer they. I know that they, they call for the supporters to come and help paint the stadium and because the stadium really is parts of it are falling down there, yeah. St James's Park and Exeter. Mike, I mean, what do you think, as you know, as someone who maybe might be critical, I don't know your stance on Arsene Wenger at Arsenal, actually. Uh, he's been there a long time and obviously he's had a bit of a barren run in terms right. of league titles. Is it, you know, if you were an Exeter fan, are you, would, you, you, would you be looking at Paul Tisdale and being like, he's got to get us up in soon because otherwise he's squandering his potential and maybe that it would be time to change or is, well, he, is he exceeding expectations so it's fine well I mean in terms of Exeter the past few years how have they been have they been up and down have they or well you know the last so year they was were in League One weren't they for a few years and yeah, then they dropped back la- down yeah last year was a sort of promising run for them to the playoffs mm. which I, I would say exceeded expectations okay yeah, but, I mean, but, you know, they 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 be much like Yeovil. They've just sort of stabilised in League Two for the last few seasons. I think I think it's right for any fan to sort of um, think um, they want the best from their club. Mm. And in terms of Exeter, they would be thinking, yes, promotion is the one thing we want, really, because it's another league, more competitive, more money coming in. You know, you can attract more uh, better players, and you know, and and build on it, really. So of course, they'd be um, um, really keen on promotion. Uh, I, I can't really answer the question about whether or not uh, Paul Tisdale's around to do that really but I think uh, if he's if he's a man who really loves the club if he's someone who's um, uh, you know injects a lot of youth he's someone who's you know really is doing a great job on, on, on the resources mm. and you have to question and, and uh, can someone do the same job effectively yeah. as well they could they could not but it's it's someone who's been there for 10 years and who knows the club and he's really has guided them through, you know, high lo- mm. highs and lows. And, you know, obviously parallels to Arsene Wenger there. I mean, Arsene Wenger, when he joined Arsenal, you know, Arsenal were very much a, you know, a middle-table team, really. And then, obviously, he's brought this, rev- this you know, revitalised the, the the club. Mm. Um, obviously, Paul Tissell, I mean, it's a very big uh, comparison to make. But, obviously, <laughs> I think with Paul Tissell, he's someone who's just integrated with the club. He's, he knows all, he knows all the people behind the scenes. It's just a case of, you know, I'm sure he wants promotion. I think he would be the man to do it. Well, he's a very fashionable man. He always gets oh, yes. extra playing the, the right way. Yeah, he's very dapper when I last saw they, him. They, they, play, the, um, they try to play nice football extra and they have done for some time. Yeah, I think if you look at Exeter as a club and you think where where should they be in the footballing pyramid, I would look at their resources and their budget and think they're probably a team that should be probably in the sort of lower end of League Two. Mm. And I know that there is, I know that fans always want success, but I think if you have to look realistically at what a club should achieve, and the fact is that Exeter really to be in the playoffs or in and around the playoffs, they're probably overachieving at that point. And I know that there's this urge for fans to want to get promoted. But if you're a manager and maybe, you know, it might take five or ten years, but if you're a manager at a club that with their resources should be down the lower end of League Two and they're consistently in the top half of League Two, then there's no reason to change managers and no reason just to pull the trigger or to get impatient with them. Because mm. at the end of the day, if you do that, the real danger is that you're going to um, to end up bringing somebody in who's not as familiar with the club. And then the first thing that will happen is that all of the success that you've built from taking that long-term approach will go away and you'll end up dropping down the leagues. I think a perfect example, and I'm going to channel the ghost of our ex-colleague here, but I remember Alan Kerbishley at Charlton oh, in, yeah. the, in the Premier League in, in the... Um, 
in the early 2000s is that Charlton were consistently a mid-table Premier League club and their fans began to get a little bit restless about the fact that they weren't really progressing, they were stagnating a little bit and um, there were some calls for change. And when he eventually did go, the year after he went, they were relegated. And sometimes it's almost like, be careful what you wish for in that sense, I'd say. Absolutely. I I think you're dead right. I think Tisdale and the stability behind the scenes at Exeter has been a key part in them being able to succeed and, and like you say, punch above their weight. Just very quickly, I want to take it back to Yeovil and, and how big a game it is for them this weekend. But Stephen, with extra third at the moment, they'd go up automatically, wouldn't they? There's three automatic slots of promotion in League Two. Where yep. do you think they'll finish, Exeter? I think it could be tough for them to go automatically because I think there are teams in that in and around that playoff area who will get stronger as the season goes on. Mm. I think um, I think you you I, I expect Lincoln to be very strong in the second half of the season. They're really hitting their stride now. I'd expect teams, potentially like Coventry, to to with their budget to to really sustain their yeah. promotion push. Teams like Swindon, maybe who have been on a bit of a dodgy run, but have got big budgets behind them. I think if you go into the second half of the season, I would expect them to begin to uh, to improve, and that could put pressure onto Exeter. But I certainly think with the squad that they've got and the the way that they're playing at the moment, I would certainly back them to be in the playoffs at the end of the season. I think Exeter fans would be happy with that. I, I, I certainly would be happy to see Exeter in the playoffs. Right, so for Yeovil, it's a huge game this weekend. Stephen, why is it such a big game? Obviously, I think maybe Darren's bought himself a bit of time with that point at Mansfield and people can regroup and think, right, let's, let's in the new year, how are we going to back Yeovil and get them away from the relegation zone? Yeah, I think short term, and I think whatever your views are of um, Darren Ware as manager, you have to stick with them now until after Christmas because mm-hmm. there are so many games coming up in sh- such a short space of time that to really, you know, to, to get rid of somebody in the middle of a run of games like that, it's... Um, it's not gonna. It's not gonna help anybody to do that. I think he, so. I think he's probably got until after the Crawley game now on New Year's Day of the absolute minimum if the board were ever considering a change. Mm. And I'm not sure from what I've heard that they were ever considering his position there. Um, there, there, are, there are a couple of reasons why it's really important this game. The first one is that it is the halfway point of the season after Saturday. Yeovil will have played every other team in the league, and you will get a genuine picture of where things stand. And they are only one point outside the playoffs. So if things don't go well, there is a very real possibility that Yeovil could go into Christmas in the halfway point. One point above the relegation zone. Yeah, yeah one yeah. point above the relegation zone. They could go into Christmas in that bottom two. Mm. And that's not a position that you want to be in. You really want to get a good result. It, you won't. They won't be that far above the relegation zone, naturally, because of where they are after Saturday. But if they could get a win and maybe pull themselves another point or two clear, they've got a good run of games coming up in the next few weeks in terms of uh, where the teams around them are in the league. And it can then give them something to build on going into the new year. And, Psychologically, yeah. that's important. And I think they need that. And I think Saturday was a good result in that respect because it was a good point away from home. Mm. So, Mike, um, obviously, the, with these games coming up against teams lower down in the league than Yeovil, they'll be wanting to pick points up against them and look up the table, won't they, rather than... I mean, I guess the danger is if they lose against those teams, they really are in a relegation dogfight. Yeah, of course, obviously, they're a point above the relegation places at the moment, which is uh, quite a worrying position to be in if you're a Yeovil Town supporter. It also opens up the, the likes of, like, say, Chesterfield or Forest Green to uh, maybe uh, think, hold on a second, we can get out, get out of the relegation mm. places once... Um, <coughs> But um, yeah, I mean, over time, I mean, it's like you know they they've just got to target these games at least get points out of them at the very least, but mainly go for the win. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna look at, look at these games if they're not very competent and you're just oh right, you know targeting someone else, you're you're gonna end up 
like you're losing it really and I think you yeah, just need to find points out of where they can really and uh, and this period that they're going to go on is going to be very crucial to their season really Absolutely. and obviously with uh, Darren Wade's future so. and Stephen if, if, if you're in a fit state to answer my question you are right? oh, I am right? yeah, yeah, yeah he's, had a bit, right. he's had a frog in his throat but obviously this run of games where you will need to pick up teams against Team, sorry, pick up points against teams below them in the table is going to coincide with rumours of a takeover in the new year. How do you think that on the pitch, off the pitch situation is going to play out? I don't think it will really matter too much on the pitch. I think there's been very little evidence of that's affected anything mm. on the pitch. And I'll go on to the takeover rumours in a moment. I think very quickly to go back to the point of the run of games you've got coming up, there's two sides for this because you've got a kind run of fixtures coming up now. But if you look at the fixtures they've got in the last two months of the season, it is a nightmare run. And you do not want to be in a position where you're really struggling to stay up at that point. Because mm. I think the final day is Lincoln away. And Lincoln could have something to play for on the final day. They've got Notts County away, two games before the end of the season. You've got um, Swindon away quite late on as well. So you really need to be well clear of that relegation zone before you hit that run of games. I think the next 12 games... I think it's about like 10, 10 um, teams in the bottom half that they're playing. They need to probably be about 10 points clear of the drop zone, I would say, just to give themselves that breathing room and that psychological advantage, just so that if they do then hit a sticky patch when they come up against the stronger teams again, they're not in a position where they're looking over their shoulders and we're beginning to worry because when panic sets in at that, <clears throat> sorry, at that late stage of the season, mm. that's when you, see, you generally tend to see that team who has been sort of above above water for most part of the season get dragged back into trouble and Yeovil have to make sure they're not that team this year because it could easily happen if things don't go to plan given the run of games they do have towards the end of the season Okay, so before we move on we'll talk about takeover rumours before the end but Mike and Stephen just give me your predicted scores for Yeovil versus Exeter this weekend Mike? Um, so no uh, extra 2-0 extra he's gone pessimistic and he's what on the Yeovil Town podcast imagine that yeah eh? um, <laughs> oh no 5-0 Yeovil Town then how about that I'm going to accept your first answer that is so, that is so positive edit the first answer out and then so, the be, so Mike says it'll be 2-0 to extra away from home Stephen what about I'd what be optimistic Yeovil will get something from the game I'm not sure they'll win it but I think it's certainly a draw He's on the card, so I'll say well yeah. yeah I mean certainly his story I don't think extra do travel that well I think I think Yeovil you will get a point this weekend, that's what I'm going for. Right, so Stephen, <laughs> if you're up to it, what, yeah. what is the situation with the takeover at the moment? I understand it's a consortium of local business people, is it, that's looking at it? Yeah, that, that's that's pretty much the case. Um, my understanding, and um, it, it's quite broadly similar, these takeover rumours, they, they broke last week, but this has been something that's been going on in the background for several months now. Mm. Um it's a consortium made up of some local businessmen, some football supporters, some other investors, and uh, they would like to come together and put a bid in with a view to buying the Town Football Club. Now, the club put out a statement last Monday after these rumours broke, saying that there was no substance to rumours that a takeover was imminent. What that does not mean, and what they cannot deny, is the fact that there is a consortium that exists, and this consortium does want to buy the Town Football Club. Now, the interesting thing will be... What what are the timescales on that? Can they really perform or complete a takeover of the club by the end of January? I think that's more unlikely when you uh, consider the fact that 
those Christmas and New Year to contend with, and also the takeovers are very protracted and very mm. complicated things to, to do, particularly at football clubs, and particularly in Yeovil's case with the different holding companies owning the land around the ground. So I think it's not necessarily something that will happen immediately, but it's certainly something which is in the pipeline and that there could be movement on. My understanding, again, is that you know, John Fry probably would sell the club if he was... Uh, if he was offered the right amount of money and he was um, he was confident enough that the people coming in were the right people. So I, I think that there definitely is a chance that something could happen. But I would say don't get too excited for now. Don't, you know, say, don't, you know, think this is definitely going to happen and it's definitely going to happen before January. And there's going to be lots of money pumped in because you just have to take a bit of a long-term approach mm. on these kind of mm. things. And uh, it may be more realistic than if a takeover is going to happen, but it, may well not have any impact on anything until the summer and going into next season yeah, rather than affect the January transfer window. And just briefly, would I be right in saying that the kind of the general mood amongst fans is that this is something they would support if it is local business people and maybe a change with, with, with new investment is would be a good thing? I think, I think there's a feeling that it probably is the right time for there to be a change at the club. I don't think anybody can deny the job that John Fry has done overall in his time as owner. He helped the club go from non-league and establish themselves as a football league club and particularly in the early years of football league establish themselves as a fairly solid league one outfit now in the last few years since that championship season things have gone wrong mm. and I I think there's probably uh, some doubt as to whether they are the right people now to 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 transform Yeovil's fortunes on the pitch and really get them winning again and return them to the success that they did have and uh, maybe you know I think you know it doesn't matter how well you've done in the past everything has a shelf life and maybe it is just time for for new people with new ideas and uh, new energy to come in and uh, see if they can uh, provide that that uplift that that fans have been calling out for. Mm. Well it's going to be an interesting story in the new year which we will cover of course on Somerset Live. Thank you for listening to Glover's Talk. Uh, We'll be at the game, Stephen and I, against Exeter this weekend. So we hope to see lots of you there at Hewish Park cheering on the Glovers. Uh, tune in probably after Christmas, I assume, now. We'll bring it back. I don't know when yeah, the we'll next episode try and do will be. I don't know if we'll but, be able to do one between Christmas and New Year, but certainly but earlier than New Year. do you do a Christmas special? Well, then we could do, we could do. Uh, but, you know, it depends on the fixtures, doesn't it? So do check <laughs> somersetlive.co.uk forward slash sport because Stephen will be covering all the football audio football over Christmas and do go to Audio Boom and iTunes to subscribe to Glover's Talk. We'll see you next time. Good, thank you. Bye-bye. Nu de Samsung S9 Plus. Voor een genadeloos lage prijs. Check Tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het kan.